My philosophy has always been go out there and get as much fantastic coverage as you possibly can. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I am here today with Yvonne Eskenzi from Eskenzi PR. How are you today, Yvonne? I'm really good, thanks, Ray. How are you doing? Very, very well. So, Yvonne, you, today we will be talking about measuring success in a technology PR campaign, a topic that, that you and I have had the opportunity to, to discuss quite a few times, uh, either between us or with clients. But before we go into details... Can you please share with us a little bit more about what Eskenzi does and a summary of uh, of your services, the type of clients that you serve? That would be very useful. Okay. Well, we, Eskenzi PR, has been in business for 23 years come this September. So for our sins, we do nothing but cybersecurity PR. We've been doing that literally over two decades. And we have now over 30 clients, all cybersecurity companies. And we've built many of them from when they were little companies, maybe nine years ago with companies like Imperva, an unknown quantity, and now is one of the world's biggest IT security companies. We have many companies like that. So we often will work with a with a company to build them into a worldwide, globally branded company that's that's world renowned. And then we'll take them, we hope, through an IPO or they'll be acquired. And so very often most of our clients get acquired for a lot of money. So, you know, from maybe a billion dollars. And uh, and we've been doing that now. So we've probably got about 15 companies that we've actually had go through an acquisition, often by an IBM or an HP or a Cisco. So that's very, very much what, what we take. We, we, we take these companies that are often quite, quite unknown and build them to big, big companies. But, but saying that, lots and lots of silicon-based va- uh, companies will come to us um, or, or Israelis will come to us, Israeli companies will come to us and want to. They've already done well in the U.S. So, you know, they, they may already have maybe a uh, maybe 10 or 20 million pound turnover. And now they want to start to make a presence into the UK. So they'll use us as their agency to build them in the UK. And then very often they'll then take us, well, they'll want us to work with them in France and then Germany. So we've got offices in France and Germany, a big office here, our HQ is in London. And then very often we will then work for them in the US, which is amazing. They fire their PR agencies in the US because they kind of go, why the hell have you got us so much coverage in the UK? (laughs) And our agency in the US is doing so badly. So we end up doing the PR for everybody out in, in the US. So we've now got six or seven clients in the US, which is great, great fun. Okay. Well, that's, that's definitely a, a, a lot of experience and, uh, and a lot of very, very exciting client success story that you, you just shared with us. That's, that's very useful. As you mentioned before, you know, obviously, Eskenzi support technology vendors with their PR strategy. And, and as a PR organization, your, your role is to put them in the headline. So I guess what, one of the questions that would be very interesting for us to, to discuss is, how do you align success or return on investment with PR? Or, or in other words, and probably a simpler question, how can you measure your client's success or your client's ROI from the PR activities that you, you put together for them? So you must always remember that, that PR is actually placed, it's earned. You earn PR, you earn press coverage. So you have to get it on its merit. Remember, advertising is all about paying for it. So you pay for adverts and it's out there. And then you can often measure very, very closely. You know, you've just paid a million pounds and you can see how many leads have come to your website as a result of that. 
uh, PR is actually kind of coming up with intelligent ideas to kind of get your clients into the press. Really smart, out the box, brilliant little ideas that are going to kind of get people to want to read about it. And so you earned that. When you actually look at returned, return on investment, it's, it's slightly harder to measure. However, we're using now more and more um, tools like HubSpot with our clients to measure it. So you can actually see all the touch points where people are coming into your website and where they've come from. So if you use something like HubSpot, which we're now kind of encouraging our customers to use and we're using ourselves, you can actually very closely measure the return on investment. But you can actually measure success with PR now by actually seeing how many press cuttings you have each month, which is obviously very okay. important. You can see, you, you know, if you're getting, if you didn't have PR, you had another PR agency before and they were only getting five bits of coverage, but now you're getting 10 to 15. And we, we usually tell our clients we'll get them about 15 pieces of really good tier one press coverage. And that's, you know, this, this week alone, we've been the Daily Mail, the Daily Telegraph. We've been New Statesman, The Economist. Um, I think we've got into New York Times. So, you know, we get our clients into those first class publications, always in SC Magazine or Info Security Magazine. So the idea is to try and get your clients as much coverage, good quality coverage as you possibly can. That's very measurable because at the end of the month, you kind of go, so how much piece, you know, what did you actually get for us? And we kind of Absolutely. go, well, this is what we got for you. And then the other thing you can do it is, is actually share a voice against your competitors, which is something that we now measure very closely. We use a, a lot of best of breed tools to actually measure how well we're doing for our clients against all their competitors. So, you, you know, there was a client that we were working with and they were number five. And they had, all, you know, another five competitors above them. And I think over about six months, we, we moved them right up to first place. By getting them in the press as much as possible, good stories. That's that's the second thing. Increased SEO. If you can actually show that um, you know you're 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 bringing links and there's coverage, and you can get those links to actually bring. You know, say, say we get a nice piece of coverage in in SE magazine, but an SE magazine have a nice link back to Operatics, for example, and that's going to increase yeah. your SEO the whole time. You know, you almost succeed now on SEO. You know, if you do a search, you, we all know you want to be up there. You want to be the first person that, that when you do a link on best cybersecurity PR agencies, you hope that we're going to be number one up there. So that's terribly, terribly important SEO and, and actually social media footprint, making sure that your, your social media footprint is, is wide. So you've got to be able to make sure that you, you're increasing your followers on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. All of those are very, very measurable now. And obviously sales leads, it's, 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 you want to get sales leads. That's what we're all in this business for, right? You more than anybody Absolutely. else, really. And so that's what our job is, you know, and we can turn around to our clients very often. For example, one of our huge clients, they got on the BBC a few months back and just from the coverage alone from being on the BBC, big, huge water authority and said to them, that's it, we want to use you without even going to tender. We well, that's that's now direct that return investment, I guess. This is, this is a direct correlation from a PR action to, to a sales results, which is fantastic. Yeah, and they said that paid for their PR for the next five years. So wow, even if you better. get if you even better, so you don't even need a job anymore, really, and we can just do it for you, just with great PR, right? Absolutely, this is terrible. So, so something that you mentioned is is really interesting. So in terms of increasing the ranking, so those tools that you are using are they like sucking information from your competitors? So you, you list your competitors, and and those tools will will scroll the net to look at the different publications that have been available from your competitors, and do they compare them on on just a, a, a quantitative basis? I your competitors have published 10 articles this week in such and such publication. Or is there also a qualitative aspect behind it in terms of the 
the quality of the, the reach, the audience that was approached. Because I, I believe, you know, for, from what you do, there is the very specific press, as well as, you know, you mentioned BBC, you mentioned the Daily Mail, you mentioned The Economist. Those, those are more like, uh, I would not call them broadcast, but much wider audience type of press. So it, it'd be good if you can just give us a little bit more background around that and how it works, because that's, that's I find it very, very interesting. Okay, that's and that's a really difficult thing for us to have to it's a hugely time consuming thing. In fact, we spend most of all our account executives spend most of Friday doing exactly what you just asked us that question. How the hell do you analyze the, the coverage that you're getting and versus your competitors? And you know, what could actually happen is you could be working against a public quoted company and they've just gone and put something out over the wire and got themselves a huge amount of coverage because it was it's a, they have to go and get that because they've just announced that they've just bought another company. Now, that hasn't, isn't actually, it isn't fair in a way because now suddenly this week, that company has just bought another and they've got 150 pieces of coverage in all the financial press. So those analytics will suddenly show they've got share of voice because they've just done a huge public yes. announcement about something. And you've been working really hard to try and get some results of a survey out there that you may have done at RSA or, you know, you've just done a really fantastic study with a Ponemon Institute or an, an analyst house like Forrester. And actually, that's very frustrating that you, you, you get sort of um, blown out by all of this yeah. excess noise, which doesn't... So, so sometimes share of voice gets skewed unfairly and you then have to literally... We all have to spend a huge amount of time trying to work it out and to try and kind of go, listen, client, that wasn't actually anything they did. They just sent something over the news wires. And therefore, so we actually spend a lot of our time trying to analyze the coverage that's out there to, 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 to present it fairly. And so um, often the actual tier two or tier three coverage and some of the other rubbish, you, often in the States, they use to send out information and then it goes out all over the place, but it's never very good stuff. It's, on a, it's kind of on a, on a Google, it's like an algorithm and it just sends it all over the place and it looks good. So a lot of the US PR agencies use a wire to do that, but they're not actually getting proper hits. They're not getting well-written well respect you know kind of respectful Absolutely. information out there and that's what you have to look out for does that answer your question that, that answer my question actually it leads me to another one because we we've got we've got a similar problem here at operatics where we we our focus is very much on the quality versus the quantity and as you mentioned you know we, we we've got uh, i guess competitors out there who are really pushing on the volumes the numbers and how many people they touch or how many call they make or email they send, et cetera, et cetera, which at the end of the day is, is absolutely all fantastic. The volume is great, but the quality is important. So that's kind of leading me to, to a question that is PR focused based on the, to the discussion we have today. But from your perspective, even, do you think a good piece in a specialized press or specialized, in a special, a specialized channel would be better than a, a, a broadcast piece? Is there a, is there a best mm -hmm. way? Is the is the very specific, very targeted better than the broadcast, or does it depend on actually the message that you want to put out there? Uh, that's, that's such a good question, Aurelian. You are really quite a quite a fiend, aren't you? And um, 
Because that, that is such a good question. And I'll tell you what, what we tend to do. My philosophy has always been go out there and get as much fantastic coverage as you possibly can. And I don't mean tier two, I mean fantastic coverage. So I was all, I came from a, a consumer background. I worked for News International on the big newspapers like the Times and the Sunday Times and the Sun and stuff like that. My philosophy always was go to the top, get the best coverage you possibly can in the best broadcast. So you start up there, it'll all filter down. You get in the BBC or Reuters or Press Association, they'll write an amazing story. It'll go to the most people and your job is done. That's what I believe. However, so we always do that. So our philosophy here at Skenzie PR is, okay, don't deal with, with the whole, all the hoi polloi, if you like, all the mass press. Just go to the creme de la creme, best press there is. And I always say to my clients when I sit with them in a meeting, close your eyes and just dream of the, of the 10 top publications you want to be in. And we will try and realize your dream. So they always come and say, I want to be in the Financial Times, certainly here in the UK. If it may be in, yeah. the, in the States, it may be, you know, the New York Times or something like that. And I go, fine, let's try and work out. And we've been on the Financial Times the last three months, three in the last four months, three times. We got on the front page of the FT uh, this year once and last year once, front page of the FT, which is amazing, right? That's and amazing. We yes. try and do that for our clients as often as we can. So we get them into the creme de la creme. However, we always make sure we get them into the trade press as well because okay. the kind of the geeky guys are going to read them, are going to want to read the, the geeky press. They're going to want to read the, the kind of the, the SE magazine the info securities and so you want to get into the techie press because that means you're going to get to the technical audience but also you want to get into the vertical press and the vertical press means your clients may be wanting to be in, in, in they'll say to us okay we want to be in the fight we want to be we want to reach the financial press we, with the financial markets you know we want to reach the bankers we want to meet, reach the insurance we want to reach transport we want to reach retail or we want to reach yes. the manufacturing so then our next job is to try and get them into the manufacturing press or the retail press or whatever it may be so you have to look right across almost if you see it like a yeah. kind of an orange you want to just do lots of tick off all the segments so in answer to your question i think you want to do both really and that's what i think you it's, want to achieve okay it's uh, i think i think my takeaway is about the healthy balance of uh, of 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 touching you know having the i guess the trophy article in a in a in a big 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 magazine or a big big newspaper or big tv show as well as all the specifics that will then get as you mentioned them the the, the geeky i'm not sure if any of them listen to that podcast would, would, would love that but there you go i mean you know some of them out there needs to look at, at things from a technical perspective so you you guys at Eskenzi have a focus and and lots of experience in helping it security company b2b software securities organization and so do we and my point here is that we we, we realize that most of those organizations first of all compete with more and more other entities so there is more and more competition in the security market we often hear from prospects and users or, or for channel partners or even from vendors themselves that message can be diluted everybody goes after the same value proposition Recently, lots of people went after GDPR, and then there is some other stuff that come in, etc., etc. So everybody kind of surf the same wave, and that's leading me to a question, which is: in such a crowded market, which is the IT security market, what kind of subject, from your perspective, or how can you make a subject really newsworthy? 
how do I make it newsworthy? Well, you have to use your imagination. You have to think out the box. You have to be creative. You have to brainstorm smart, clever ideas. And you have to rise above all the noise. You have to be different. You have to look different. You have to, you have to really understand what it is that's going to make that particular company stand out from the crowd. So you have to really get in, get stuck in, talk to the people, not just the marketing people, not just the sales people, but talk to the people at the coalface, the real techie guys that are developing the products, that are talking to the customers. And I really understand what makes that company tick because so often we've spoken to you know, our marketing directors or we've spoken to the sales guy or whoever it may be. And we've not really kind of got the essence, the real core of what's going on. When you actually get into the company, actually make, make an effort to go and talk to some of the guys on the floor. They are the ones that actually have got great ideas. Some of them can write brilliantly and you they're know, worth using to get um, blogs written, stuff like that. But they're actually out there producing the product and they're out there talking to people. They're the ones that are coming up with the best, some of the best stories I've ever done. I came up with a story once where I sat down and the, one, the head of product sat in the meeting. So the, sale, the two owners of the company were there and marketing guy was there. And then this techie guy walks in and he's a really nice guy, actually. And I won't give you his name, but I should actually because he's such a cool guy. But he's, I've, I, I kept in touch with him. And we were talking about how could we possibly get this company out there and get lots of coverage for them. And he kind of goes, I'm sure that people are phobic about not having their phone with them. I'd love to do some sort of survey just to find out whether people, how long people can last without their phone and whether if they don't have their phone, whether they become really kind of nervous. And we did the survey and we came up with this word nomophobia, no mobile phone phobia. And it became such a massive story. It got on the front page of every newspaper, all the way around, even the front page of the India of Time, the Times of India, New York Times, the front page of the LA Times. It, it became global, right? And it all came from this techie guy that I would never have kind of, I would have looked at him and went, nah, he looks a bit boring, a bit gray. He ended up being <laughs> unbelievably brilliant. Yeah, have you made it in the dictionary with nomophobia? We did, Yet. actually. We did. That's fantastic. I'm being serious. I'm being, I'm being serious, really. We did. We, we got it into the Urban Dictionary. So we, we got the word nomophobia into the Urban Dictionary. We got it into the dictionary. So, there you go. Um, and funnily enough, we're now working with HackerOne, one of our other clients, to see whether we can actually uh, legitimize and get, get the word um, hacker legitimized and, and just change the whole bad impression that the word hacker has. And that's our next aim is to get that changed in the uh, Oxford and Cambridge dictionaries. So we do go out and do these kind of weird and wonderful, crazy ideas. that do. But, but I'm just saying you have to go out there and think about how can we possibly turn this company that's actually quite bland. You know, when I walked around RSA with you, what, three weeks ago, Rillian? Did we ever find how many companies stood out from the crowd? Didn't they all just look the same? Didn't they all just do threat intelligence? I mean, didn't everybody look like they were doing the same thing? How the hell do you make yourself stand out from the crowd? And when I walked around all those stands, the messaging on, on all their stands all looked exactly the same. So you do have to think out of the crowd uh, and out, out of the box and really talk to everybody within the company possibly can, can talk to just to see how you can make them interesting. And obviously, we use a whole load of tools to do that. So very often, to get companies coverage, we'll, we'll, we'll do rapid responses. Thank God in our industry, which is cybersecurity, people are bre having breaches left, right, and center. And there's always a story. There's a new malware. There's a new threat. There's Absolutely. a new stay on state. So rapid responses in our business is everything. Thank God I'm not in selling handbags because I can't break, there's no breaking story about handbags. <laughs> but it, it, it's really useful, actually. I mean, the, and I like the, the answer to the question because it's, uh, it's about bringing a little bit of 
originality, being different, thinking about things, looking at the problem or looking at looking at it outside from outside the box and, and really using your experience and, and engaging with people and discussing with them to, to find great ideas and then putting them into practice. I, I have one final question for you. It's really around, I would like you to, uh, let's say I'm, I'm a startup and we, we put ourselves in the shoes of, of, uh, of a CMO or a CEO in a, in a startup organization. So I'm a B2B software startup. And, and I think we don't need to just focus on security here, which, you know, but what would be, from your perspective, the, the three things that an organization should look at when they are looking at hiring or making a decision in hiring a PR company? I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I don't think it can be three, but I will tell you what I think you should look for when you're looking for a good PR agency. You need to come in and you need to talk to them. And if you can't come and talk to them, you need to have a Skype call or something like that, because often our clients are in the US, because it's all about chemistry. It's, you know, we all buy from people, don't we? People buy from people. That's why people love you, Aurelian, because you're just so handsome and fabulous and, and entertaining right. and fun to be with. You're going to make um, me blush not on this, uh, Yeah, on this podcast, that's pretty hard to do, though. But chem- chemistry is absolutely everything. And I have to tell you, when you like somebody, you will go that extra mile for them. You will go and fight their corner. You've got okay. to trust them. Yeah. I mean, chemistry and, and, and actually fighting that is everything. And, I, you know, it's like employing people, isn't it? I've been trying to employ people in the last few days. And it's, I'm really bad at, I'm bad at it. You know, you look at somebody, walk through the door. They could be great on the phone. As soon as you see them walk through the door, they look like a bag of potatoes. You don't really want to employ them, do you really? So <laughs> you've got to be able to kind of like them. Um, kind of having a pedigree in that space. You know, if you're looking for, you know, you're saying maybe not in this space, but if you're looking for a cybersecurity PR agency, you want to know they're actually in the cybersecurity. They know how to sell cybersecurity companies, right? You know, they've got to be able to have that experience. And you don't want to go to kind of like a big, I don't think these agencies that say they do everything are the agency you want to go for. Very often people come to us and go, I went to a big agency and they, they had all these amazing companies and they just they just forgot about us because they were all they were looking after these huge big names and they did this and that and, and they kind of go and, and they forgot all about us and it's like, no, 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 you want someone that's going to look after you and, and really care for you and work with you. And they've got to be good at storytelling. They've got to be creative. They've got to be able to think out the box. And in our industry, you've got to be able to turn geek speak into everyday speak, um, because if you don't get it, then you're not going to be able to portray that story. All I'm doing and all our staff are doing is selling stories. So you've got to be able to have a nose for a good story and be able to sell it. And the other thing I think is so important, really, when you're looking for a PR agency is evidence of the results they've achieved. Go into the PR agency and say to them, I want to see the list of companies that you work for. I want to know the results you're getting for them. I want to know what you got for the last month, and I want to know what you got for them three months ago, and I want to know what you got for six months. And I want to know how long you've retained your clients for. We retain our clients for a minimum of seven years. And wow. I want to, because if, they, if they're flipping them every 18 months, well, then you don't want there to There is a problem. Them. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And That's... then I was just going to say the other things you need to know is, do they have the geographic reach? Can they work for you globally because to manage lots of agencies does your head in. You want to have an agency that can look after you globally. That's terribly important. And I think more and more what's, what's ending up very for, for us is that stories break at, at seven o'clock or nine o'clock on a, on a Saturday night. We've had that over the weekend recently. You've got to make sure, you've got to ask you candidly, would you be able to look after us? Would you be there? And, and I had some crisis communications. One of my clients, some terrible thing with a bank overseas the other day, and it looked like their product was involved. And you know, they asked us all, that's the American team and us to be on a call. Within 10 minutes, we were on that call and we, had, we came up with a statement and we could do crisis communication. Is your agency available? Can, can they help you out? 
And the other nice thing is have they got awards? We've just won the Queen's Award for Enterprise for Outstanding Work Overseas. Congratulations. So, you know, thank you, Aurelian. I'll have to make sure you come and celebrate with us at InfoSecurity. We'll you know, make that, sure you that's get that. Um, so, and, and have they got good contacts? You know, contacts is everything. It's all about contacts. Can I get, can I oh, get yeah. on the call and speak to the FT? That's all the most important thing as well. I really like what you said, Ivania, because it's really aligned with our mission statement. When we when we engage with, with clients, we, we really believe that working as an extension, which is really the essence of what you mentioned, is, is being there for them. You want to be part of their team. You just don't want to be that supplier that does nine to five, Monday to Friday. When one of our clients receive a call from their investor, their CEO, and they have a question to answer, we need to be there for them. You know, we need to be, we need yeah. to be on calls, we need to be available. So working as an extension of our client's team, I think is, is critical. And then the experience, the experience of we've been there, we've done it, so you can guide them. And I think that's particularly essential when you are working with early stage companies. And I know that you guys are doing lots of great stuff with early stage organizations as well as much larger corporate organizations. But it's about guiding. It's about leading with with examples or, or best practices or experience of what you've done in the past. So I really like what you gave me as an answer. Now, Obviously, we are running a little bit out of time. I, I could probably carry on that conversation for another two, three hours, but <laughs> I, it, unfortunately, time for us to close it off. And what I would like to make sure is if, if, if some of our audience would like to get in touch with you even, what, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys and, and, and potentially carry on that conversation on a one-to-one basis with, with yourself or someone from your team? Well, just they, they can email me or Neil. That's my email, Yvonne at EskenziPR.com. Then go to the Eskenzi website, which is Eskenzi.com, and or, or phone us, you know. I, I think our telephone numbers are on the website, so very easy, really. Okay. Yes, definitely. And I, I believe that you, you're also, uh, you also identifiable on, on LinkedIn and, and other social media. And, and just to be clear, the, the Eskenzi name is E-S-K-E-N-Z-I. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I used to uh, I used to misspell your name with a Y at the end, and I know that I got told off quite a few times. So uh, it's it's definitely an I at the end. It, it took quite a long time for you to work that one out, really, but it was fantastic what you did in the end. But thank thank you, really, for spelling it. Well, that's wonderful, Ivan. I mean, it's been a fantastic conversation from my perspective. I really appreciate your time and, and insight today. So yeah, thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to B two B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.